Search for DOS Nation. Welcome back. This next episode features Professor Tagger Cohen, who I had the privilege of meeting in December when I was in Japan. I was in Japan through a trip called Kakahashi. Kakahashi is a trip sponsored by the Japanese Ministry of Foreign Affairs. And I was part of a group from AJC, the American Jewish Committee. And we were selected by Kakahashi because the program is built to bring Americans to Japan to explore the nation and build meaningful bonds with Japanese people. It is my understanding that AJC is one of two Jewish organizations selected to participate in Kakahashi. It was an incredible experience. One of the one of the most meaningful uh, engagements we had was when we went to Kyoto to Doshisha University and we met with the head of the Jewish Studies program who is Professor Tagger Cohen and many of her students. And we had an incredible conversation. The students introduced themselves and the topics that they were studying. Some of them were undergrads, some masters, some PhDs. What I walked away with was a massive appreciation for the effort that Professor Togger Cohen has put in over the past two decades to build the only Jewish studies program in all of Japan. And as we all know, Japan is an incredibly powerful nation and a country with its own complex and rich history. And I just thought it was really important to highlight Professor Togger Cohen's efforts for us all to hear about her personal journey and to explore all the interesting elements that must come from teaching Jewish studies in Japan. So buckle up for a fun conversation. I am still getting used to um, editing a podcast, so I hope the audio is uh, is a bit better this time. And uh, if you've got if you got uh, expertise in in editing podcasts, please reach out. Please also look out for a reverse ad that is embedded at some point in this conversation. And the last thing I'll leave with is an overwhelming thought I have while I, while I was in Japan was the, the importance of individual citizens taking up a, 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 a project, a cause that will not be complete in their lifetime. And it reminded me of the book that David Brooks wrote called The Road to Character. And in that, he talks about what are the common threads that link people who end up having incredibly strong character. And one of them is that people of strong character make profoundly strong commitments. And Professor Tagger Cohen is one of those individuals. Another one I met during that trip is Jerry Rosenberg, who's been an absolute pillar in the Jewish community in Japan. And because of his efforts, because of Professor Togger Cohen's efforts, there is a foundation of Jewish community and Jewish education that thousands of Jews who live there and the millions of Japanese who are um, 
who call Japan their, their, their nation are able to benefit from. So without further ado, I give you Professor Tiger Cohen. Professor Tiger Cohen, welcome to Search for Das. Thank you. Thank you very much. You're in Germany. Well, why are you there? <laughs> yeah, that's a nice question. Um, I actually uh, am here as a visiting professor uh, in my field of uh, ancient Near East, as well as um, my dealing with uh, ritual studies, uh, including modern times Judaism. How long is this trip going to be? Uh, I'm going to be here for one month and work with the uh, young PhD students here in the University of F Air Force Max Weber Center. When you're in Germany, first of all, how many times have you been in Germany? Uh, that's a very good question because it the first time I came to Germany was very, very hard for me. Actually, uh, I didn't want to come, but uh, because of my studies, uh, I actually had to to come to, to Germany. And since uh, 1993 was my first visit to Germany, uh, I have been several times, maybe five times, but uh, it was very difficult. Uh, and also, I must say that it was very difficult for me to study the German language. I still don't speak it well. <laughs> I can read, but I don't speak it well. I speak Japanese much better. It seems like an obvious response, but I'm, I'm going to ask the, the question because I want to hear, hear it in your words. Why, why was it difficult for you? And what did that feel like? Um, growing up uh, as young people in Israel, uh, the Holocaust is something you carry on, you carry on with you all the time. And as a child, I was surrounded by people who um, ran away or were saved from the concentration camps. And it's not easy to grow up with people like that. My family managed to survive uh, because they were not from Central Europe. Uh, but uh, some of the family went, perished in Auschwitz, uh, but not, uh, not the very, very close family. Uh, but uh, it's something that you carry with you. And for example, my father refused to receive the compensations from Germany and um, refused to buy anything that was produced in Germany. So this is something you grow up with and it's not easy. And you just uh, have to you know, avoid uh, thinking about it when you 
have to come to study in Germany <laughs> and actually you have to come and maybe try to reconcile with it I think that should be the correct word we need to reconcile with it in your department with your students from the ones who are just taking one course to the PhD level what is their knowledge of the Holocaust before taking any classes and and how how many of your classes touch on the Holocaust okay in the Japanese context it's not easy to teach about the Holocaust and uh, we do not have um, a, a, a spe specific course on Holocaust uh, we do have um, it within the course we teach the general history of the Jews or the Jewish people um, but uh, it's very difficult to teach that topic in Japan Japanese people have the trauma of the um, of their own second world um, experience with the um, uh, Hiroshima uh, atomic bomb so for them that is the center of Second World War unfortunately um, so Holocaust is not really taught in Japanese context in elementary school or high school they are not studying about it so they don't really know much about it um, my students who really study and you know get to learn modern Hebrew and Israel studies for a master course they are very well acquainted with the idea of Holocaust but I do not teach them this this topic we we can discuss it we can talk about it but I don't really teach it in my modern Hebrew upper level classes we can read uh, literature Hebrew literature about it so that's their experience questions that arise be it from a formal class that touches on it or just when you're catching up with a, a student what what have some of the, those been I don't think they have questions they are kind of um, surprised by the terrible experience the Jewish people had and they it's very uh, important for them to understand that it was done based on hatred because hatred is something that can be understood in Japanese context um, Japanese did not like uh, other Asian countries Asian peoples so this is something that they can relate to I think so the idea that Jews were hated is something that I think will be more easy for them to understand they I don't know how much they really uh, study or go into the question of the Holocaust they, they take it as something happened when you 
have shaped the program over the years. Has there been, has there been certain courses you've had to increase in popularity or increase because there was popularity? What, what have you found uh, has been the topics that have resonated most with, with your Japanese students? Um, it's very difficult to answer this because students choose those courses uh, not necessarily because of the topic. They may choose the, the courses based on um, they heard something about Jews. They heard the, the idea of Judaism. Uh, they heard the, the stories of Israel. They want to understand it. They want to know a little bit more about it. They registered to the course. But it's not necessarily because they really want to understand the topic of Judaism, as would be students in the United States or student in, students in, in European countries. Um, they probably, before they come to the university, they did not hear about Judaism. They maybe heard about Israel, uh, very little, but maybe they heard about it. So that would be the reason for them to choose this course. So it's not that the course is popular or not popular. It just, it caught their eye and the within their um, schedule, it fits in and they are going to take it. So As you know, our group went and visited Suruga, uh, and we visited the museum that overviews Sugihara's efforts to give out transport visas to Jews fleeing Germany, uh, Nazi-controlled Europe. What, what what would you say is the percent of students who come in knowing that story? And in general, how important is that story as a gateway into not just the Holocaust, but the Jewish, the history of the Jews? Sugihara became very famous uh, recent in recent years. And there was the, mo the movie, and the books came out um, it, this is of course after he passed away many years ago um, for many Japanese he became a hero he's just a hero and it's not so much the Jews that are important in the story but the Sugihara was, is the important person in the story because he was open to the difficulty of other people. So how much that really opens the door to the Holocaust, I'm not sure. It certainly opens the door for the hero Sugihara. So um, uh, some of the students may choose the course because they saw the movie of Sugihara. It might be that they will take the course Introduction to Judaism because they saw the movie and in the movie Jews are mentioned. So I am not sure how much they really understand before they come to the course.
That's really interesting. I hadn't thought about that. The way it's perceived in, uh, in, in Japan is that it's, it's the focus is on Sugihara and his actions and that the people he saved, the, the, their identity is less important. And, but that, that, but that makes sense in when thinking about it from a Japanese context, the, the, the hero is this Japanese diplomat who goes against the, what was considered uh, okay at the time, considered the, um, a, um, a, a lawful thing to do. And over time, as you're saying, this was not something that happened even uh, relatively quickly, right? It was, he passed and he was yet to be vindicated. Is that correct? Yes, that's true. That's true. Uh, he was not, it, his story was not accepted by the Japanese government. And it took a, a, a lot of time. What changed? First of all, Israel was involved in it. Uh, Israel uh, accepted him as uh, um, one of the savers of Jews. Yeah, so that I think that changed the Japanese attitude towards him, <laughs> and uh, also his family, his uh, wife, um, and his son went and lectured about his activity. And I think that influenced some of the people in Japan to understand that he really did a very important, uh, a very, uh, that his actions were very special. Uh, so I, I think that it took time for them to understand it. The arc, the arc of his life is quite interesting. And it sounds like there's uh there, there's a PhD thesis there in terms of, uh, the the path of, of 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 a hero and how their their experience while still here could be quite different than how they end up being remembered the the overall appreciation for their efforts might not occur till long after they're gone search for das nation i wanted to check in thank you all for listening I also wanted to let you know I'm going to be trying out something new here. The concept is called a reverse ad. And the idea behind it is that you take a company that has not paid you to advertise, but you still provide them a platform for your listeners to learn, learn about them. The company I'm going to tell you about today is Jesse's Tea House. The company was founded by Jesse Appel, who's an incredibly talented individual who I got to know while living in Beijing. And Jesse pioneered the idea of stand-up comedy in China, and he brought it in a bilingual fashion. And he was doing that up until the pandemic hit. And he was in the States at the time visiting his family, and he tried repeatedly for years, at least the first year and a half, to get back into China. And he eventually gave up and in the interim, he decided to pivot to another passion of his, which is tea, which he and I share. And he built a company that brings the best of Chinese tea, tea accoutrement, if you will, 
and provide you an easy way to purchase it and some really great content alongside so you can learn more about how to do tea. Search for DOS listeners get a 15% discount when checking out with a search for DOS code coupon at checkout. So thank you, Jesse, for providing all of us that discount. And without further reverse adding, I bring you back to our conversation. We met while on my Kakahashi trip, which for those who don't know, Kakahashi is a program that the Japanese Ministry of Foreign Affairs puts out where it brings in groups of Americans that they are really interested in having to the country to explore the nation, to build strong ties. And AJC is one of two Jewish organizations that is part of Kakahashi. And one of the highlights of the trips was coming to see you in Kyoto at Doshisha University. And we, I think I was joined by many of my, my um, trip members. We didn't know what to expect. We, we roll into this, one of the, the best Japanese universities, and we sit down in a room with you and a handful of your students who are studying some, some of the, the most, um, I was embarrassed to say there were topics that they were studying that I didn't even understand. <laughs> so can, can you explain to me, what does it look like at Doshisha University in your department? Okay. Um, as you said, Dosha is one of the um, largest universities today. It originated as a Christian university with the Faculty of Theology, its main core. However, within the years that it, is, it exists, um, other faculties like Faculty of Letter, Faculty of Engineering, uh, Faculty of Law, um, really grew up and the Faculty of Theology remained a very small one. And uh, in 2003, the Dean at that time they was very influenced by the American system, which had included in the Faculty of Theology, the study of Islam and the study of Christianity, which means monotheistic religions. And he himself studied at the United States uh, evangelical uh, Christianity. And therefore, he was very influenced by, by what was going in the States. And he applied for a fund from the Japanese government to establish a center, a very big center for what they called a, a monotheistic religions or the interdisciplinary of the monotheistic religions. And once they applied, the, uh, one of the uh, demands from the government was that in the faculty itself, there will be a professor for Islam and a professor for Judaism. In what and year, in what year approximately two, was that? 2003, two, exactly 20 years ago. And, um, Fortunately, the request, the, the application went through and a huge amount of money was poured upon the faculty. And, but anyhow, they had to recruit the professors in the other religions. 
And because in 1989, my husband came to study at this specific faculty. Uh, he came to study Christianity in Japan. Um, and I was there and they learned that I could teach all kinds of very interesting things. So they hired me as a part-time teacher. And when they were thinking, whom should we hire as professor of Jewish studies? The first people they thought of was my husband and me. And since I was a person who really already was teaching uh, Jewish studies at, uh, at a university in Israel, uh, they actually invited me and invited my husband to teach as well as part-time teacher. And it was very difficult for us to decide to come the second time because the first time uh, for me was very difficult to be in Japan. But uh, to be a professor at a university is a very different, different thing. And it for a woman, it makes... Uh, status difference which is very crucial so uh, I was given the opportunity to establish uh, a real program in Jewish studies in the way that will fit um, the Japanese understanding of what Judaism is so with the approval process in 2003 how high up did that go in the Japanese government, Department of Education. Explain to us that process. Did this center to get this money for this center is very, very difficult. It's called the COE center. It's the highest level of centers and the amount of money is, uh, is really huge. Uh, I don't remember now how much it's in dollars, but in, in Japanese amount of money, it's just uh, a huge amount of money. And at the beginning, they even didn't know how to use it. So I invented all kinds of activities, <laughs> how we can use the money uh, of the center, which was very, very fasc fascinating for me. Uh, and within the faculty, um, I have uh, started first courses that I was teaching, um, which included uh, kind of a general history. And then I taught a lot of modern Hebrew because biblical Hebrew was already taught in the faculty as part of Christian studies. Uh, you need to learn the Hebrew Bible. So they had Hebrew, uh, biblical Hebrew, but we established the modern Hebrew a program and each year, the students uh, went up the level and then the undergraduates got four years of modern Hebrew and the graduate students got two years of, I mean, after they, they grew, you know, after four years, after six years. So these things took uh, quite a lot of time uh, to develop. And then because I cannot teach all those courses, um, I, I hired some, some scholars, Japanese scholars, who studied in Israel, who did their PhD in Israel and came back to Japan. And I hired them to teach some specific courses 
uh, or even general courses to the general uh, uh, students at the university. So, for example, uh, today, uh, after this 20 years, we have five introductory courses every every two years. There are five courses that are open to the entire university. And uh, we have two campuses. In one campus, this open course um, has between 200 and 300 students each semester. That Those are big numbers. Let's talk about the students. What drives a Japanese student to enter this program, be it just through one course or actually making this their whole course of study and getting a master's or a PhD? If you could somewhat uh, summarize that interest, what is it? Okay, so the first um, the first thing that uh, uh, a student who is taking one of the courses could be either because they need credit and they are looking for what is available and they just choose it because it sounds strange. It sounds different. They've never had something like Jewish or Judaism. Um, so interest from from no not knowing anything about it that's a possibility uh, another possibility is that they heard already somewhere either on one of the platforms or on on the manga they they read the name jewish jew or the name the name of israel and they for those said, who don't know what is manga oh manga it's a uh, stories in pictures and they are very easy to read uh, they are not stupid many people thought that they are stupid <laughs> they could be very fascinating stories and telling a lot of information actually the manga uh, but it looks like a, a children's uh, a, book a comic know, book Correct. Yeah, exactly, like a comic book, but it's not comic book. <laughs> it could be very serious uh, books that are just written in such a system. They have developed into a very uh, important uh, uh, kind of uh, literature. And today they are even being taught in universities all over the world. Uh, manga, manga stories, manga literature, uh, like any other literature they are being taught. So. Um, the students could have met these kind of names, um, and it it says they they say, "Oh, I would like to know something about it." Give so us an example. example. Give us an example, example of something. A course, a course. I am I've been I was teaching this semester, uh, which is a seminar actually. It's uh, which means students are supposed to take it in in their third year or fourth year, um, and um, it's called, the title is uh, Women in Judaism. And uh, some of the students who registered to my course were from the faculty, which means they had a background and they already took maybe one or the two uh, introductory courses. And I had from all kinds of faculties, suddenly students took this course. 
Um, and they didn't know anything about Judaism. And I was really shocked. Why would, why would you take a seminar on women in Judaism when you don't know anything about Judaism? So they said, because women is important for us. We want to know what women in society was interesting for us. So we decided to pick it up. And so it was a very interesting uh, uh, course because um, I had to give introductory uh, uh, knowledge to Judaism to those who didn't know anything about it and to make it interesting to those who already know something about Judaism. So it was a very difficult course for me, but uh, the students were really very fascinated and I kind of gave them a um, general outlook from the Hebrew Bible into modern Judaism uh, today, in the, mostly in the United States and in Israel, how women are acting in society. And it was very interesting for them because st the status of women in Japan is not as developed as in Israel or in the United States. So this was very interesting. The, and I also, at the, at the latest level, I uh, explained to them um, how the Japanese constitution, uh, specifically on women, was drafted by a Jewish woman who was at the time in Japan. Now, that is an incredible way to tie it all together, <laughs> that yes. course right there. Yes, and so yes. What are some of the questions that a student in that class would ask? And I think the stereotype here in America is that the Japanese are very reserved and that they're, they would not necessarily be firing off questions in a lecture like that. Give us an example of what it's actually like in, in the classroom. It depends on the students. Uh, if the students already studied with me and it's their second year, they are much, much more free. They will talk much more. They will ask questions once more, once a, a much more. And um, they will also understand that they can say things that they don't know that they can ask about things they don't know. Usually, a Japanese student uh, will be very shy because he or she thinks that they don't know. And then they are regarded by their fellow members, you know, the, the, the other students, as stupid because they don't know. So they refrain from asking questions. Uh, but if they are already feeling comfortable with the teacher or some of the classmates are already known to them, they will ask questions. So um, I will always try to give them the feeling that any question is okay. Even if it's the most stupid question you think it's, you don't know anything, please ask. I will always give you an answer that will help you to understand more so yeah it, they are they are really very uh, shy to ask questions actually in from junior high school into high school they are taught 
not to ask questions. This is the system. And, and, and explain to me how, because there are so many elements, like that. take that element in and of itself, is so different from the Jewish tradition. If there, if there is a culture that is known for asking questions, it's ours. <laughs> That's true. What, what are some elements of the Jewish tradition that your students have the hardest time wrapping their heads around? Uh, that, that's a very tough question because I, I think Judaism in general would be, would be something else, would be, um, uh, first of all, it's a Western culture. It's part of the Western culture. And in, in the basis, they would think it's like Christianity. And so they, they wouldn't understand when I say synagogue, they don't understand what I'm talking about. So I would say at the beginning, I would say Jewish church, which sounds crazy, yes? But uh, this is something they will understand because churches, they know they, they exist in Japan, but synagogues do not exist in Japan. Almost, there are only two synagogues today in Japan. So they don't really understand what a synagogue is. And I, for example, in this Jewish uh, class, in G uh, women in Judaism, I, I had to explain what a synagogue means for ultra-Orthodox Jews and for those who are uh, Reformed Jews. And that it's a completely different setting and that women are free to sit wherever they want with their own family and they can be the rabbi. And that was also something that they could not understand. Um, that is something that, again, I can explain through Christianity because nowadays uh, in Protestant churches in Japan, there are women who are acting as pastors. So this is something that they can understand. Um, but um, even more so, Japanese people don't have the concept of religion that we have. They have the concept of going to a temple, going to a shrine, uh, gods exist or do not exist, it doesn't matter. Um, most of them would go to the temple or the shrine once a year, or maybe before an examination, because their mother would say, let's go to the church, to the uh, uh, shrine uh, <laughs> and pray that you will succeed in the examination. Um, they don't really have this attachment to the idea, the concept of religion that we have. So that is the first thing that is very difficult for them to understand. The second thing but is that you're I want to hear that second thing, but I wanted to make note that what you just described and explained is exactly why I was so drawn to you and your story. I think what you've signed up for is as close to an impossible task as as as, as exists out there because <laughs> the Japanese culture is so far from the from the West, but then you take the complexity of Judaism and the history of the Jews and 
then you try to explain that to that group of people that have developed so separate from the West, you've got life on hard mode. So um, I look forward to diving into a few, few um, more elements of what makes that challenging, but go with that second one. Um, they, I think the students um, do have this uh, um, curiosity. They're very young. They come to us at the age of 18 and the 19 and 20, you know, these, these are, these are years that they really wish to know things. Why? Because this university period of time in Japan for these young people is a break between duty of school and duty of job. They are studying crazily, junior high school and high school, and then in order to enter the university. The university degree will give them a possibility for getting good jobs. And um, so the degree is, is something that they really want to get. But in order to get that degree, they need to enter the university. Once they enter the university, if they just go through the courses, they will finish, they will get a degree, most of them, because the, in order to enter the university, they must study so hard that they must be smart, you know? And uh, so if you are smart, you can go through these four years of university. If if you want to be excellent student, you will be excellent student. If you just want to pass through it, you will just pass through it and get the degree. And these four years are four years of freedom for them because they don't have to study for examination. It, it, it's a university, you, 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 you can study for exam, uh, you will pass it. It doesn't matter. If you want to get A plus, okay. If you want to get a B, it's fine. Get went C, it's fine. So you study, you put the amount of effort according to where you want to get. And, and then once they finish, they start job life. And working uh, uh, um, is very hard in Japan. There is no I would say there is no freedom once you become a worker in Japanese in the Japanese system. So these four years can open their minds. It's it's the best time to give them information uh, that will draw them to all kinds of directions. So Judaism, for example, if connected with Judaism in the United States or Judaism in Israel is really interesting for them. And we have scholarships that they can apply for and they can go to study either in the United States or in Israel. And, and those who seriously study uh, uh, Judaism in our faculties and not only in the faculty of theology like I had people from other faculties who signed up to go to Israel or signed up to go to the United States just 
two years ago, there was a, 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 a student girl who went uh, to UCLA uh, and she did Jewish study there. Amazing, unbelievable. <laughs> it was cool. I couldn't believe it. So, uh, and it just because once they enter our first introductory course and they are caught with it, then they continue to take the classes and I don't know why it, it interests them. Uh, some of the students will go on very few, very few will go on to master, master and then PhD, but they are very few, especially PhD is really few because if you decide to go on the track of PhD, it means you want to be in the academy. You can't have a PhD and then go to work in a in a company. Company will not accept you. When you described this dynamic in the university system in Japan, this was quite a big shock to uh, the the um, my fellow trip members. It was viewed as that isn't that the way college should be. They actually, people in my group were, were envious of that. And I, my guess is when a university like Amherst College was created, which my understanding is that there are uh, ties of Doshisha to Amherst, correct? Yes. Yes, the founder was the first Japanese to go abroad. Actually, he ran away from Japan because Japan was closed and he... Um, he just uh, went on a ship to Hong Kong, and from Hong Kong, uh, he went to Boston. And in Boston, uh, he was adopted by one of the pastors because he wanted to study Christianity. He was fascinated by the Bible. And uh, he was the first Japanese to get a BA degree. Um, and uh, and then, of course, he was ordained as well in Amherst. And then he came back to Japan because Japan was open. And uh, he established this seminar first, um, which was uh, supposed to be free of uh, involvement of the government and no money from the government. He refused. And uh, it was still at the beginning very difficult to be Christian in Japan, but slowly, slowly it opened. And then the university was established several decades later. So first there was this school, which was supposed to teach English, but also Christianity. And, and then uh, it became the uh, Christian university. And then step by step, it grew up. And today we have 26,000 students. Uh, which is really a huge university. Um, even in Japanese uh, uh, category, we are very, very big. And we're a private university. That's very important. We are a private university. So to get into, into Doshisha is very hard. The examinations are very difficult. And then your parents must pay a lot of money uh, to have you these four years at the, at the university. Um, and the students have these four years open-minded, really open-minded.
and if you if a student attends a university, say the Tokyo University, is that experience similar? Does it also have this liberal arts type of feel to it? Um, I think this that Tokyo University is a very competitive university. Tokyo and Kyoto University are both the uh, largest and most uh, important uh, uh, academic universities in Japan. So the level at these universities are very is very, very high. And uh, over there, I assume students don't take vacation like in other universities or they, I think they work much harder, if you ask me, uh, at these two universities. But in other universities, I think it's very similar to, to Dosha University. And um, I think these four years are very important for the students. It really opens up their mind. And in the past, unfortunately, that change, and also especially because of the COVID, the restrictions that students were unable to go abroad many students used to go to the united states to study whether a semester or or one year and that experience was very important for many many students of of doshisha especially would go abroad um it decreased a little bit and the, the reason is that uh, working places are not happy to get students who went abroad because it changed their mind. They are no longer, you know, strict Japanese, <laughs> going very clearly Japanese mind. And uh, some, some working places are worried about it. Um, so less, less students are traveling abroad Although I encourage the students to go abroad, I do encourage them. Speaking of abroad, when we were in that conversation, Israel came up and I asked one of the master's students, do you plan on visiting Israel? And his response was, I want to go, but my parents believe it's too dangerous for me to go. What is, what's the perception of Israel among your students? Uh, okay, first of all, many of them don't even know where it is on the globe. When they take the first their first class on Judaism or modern Hebrew class, uh, Israel, first of all, the word Israel is not pronounced like that in Japanese. The Japanese word is Isudairu. So it's a completely, when you hear it, it's completely sounds different. And so some of them uh, encounter Israel on the news. Most of the cases was in the past, Israel was recorded very negatively, either bombs in, in buses or uh, missiles from Gaza, uh, missiles from um, Lebanon. It, it was usually uh, in, you know, related to um, war zone, let's say, let's say, let's face it, yes. And I must admit that in 2006, I was going to take a group of uh, 15 students 
with me to Israel in the summer. And we already had the tickets and everything. And Lebanon war number two started in 2006. And we lost our tickets and everything. And uh, the parents were scared that, no, no, you're not going. I said, no, no, we're not going, don't worry. And so, um, for example, um, I requested uh, in 2004, in 2005, I requested the university to have a exchange student program with Haifa University in Israel. And my faculty members uh, agreed, they uh, approved it, and then it went to the higher instance in the uh, dean's, dean's uh, a, a board, and they refused. They said Israel is a war zone. We do not accept. We do not agree. So finally, the uh, agreement was only between the faculty of theology and the um, faculty of letters at Haifa University. That was the level of the agreement, the exchange. So our students are going to Haifa University, no problem, and Haifa University students are coming to. Uh, to study at Doshi University. And, uh, but students from other faculties cannot go to Haifa University because it doesn't cover other faculties. Uh, so recently in, I think about uh, six or seven years ago, uh, the university agreed to have uh, a, a academic agreement with um, Hebrew University, but I, I already send my students to Haifa University, so I continue my, my relationship with them. It's very good, it works very well, and the students enjoy very much Haifa, it's a beautiful city. <laughs> so they, there was just this summer, was, uh, one of my students was there. The, the experiences that your students have in Israel what are some of the highlights when you look back at, at the ones that have gone? What, what comes to mind? First of all, they are shocked by the openness of Israelis. Israelis are very open. They are very welcoming. They welcome you to, your, to their own house. This is something that Japanese cannot understand. You don't enter Japanese person's house. Even my neighbor will never enter my house. We, we, I will stand at the door in the entrance of my house and talk to her or him, whatever it is. And if I go and knock on the neighbor's door, which I hardly do, but if I would do that, uh, just to let the neighbor know something that maybe I'm leaving for one week or something, then only at the door, never go into the house. And for them, it's a real shock when they are invited to the house of a professor at the university. You know, my, my colleagues, they invited the students to come for dinner, for lunch or whatever. And so that's very, uh, a, a very, very uh, huge experience for them. Um, that Israelis are very, uh, the Israelis are very noisy. Uh, they are very shocked by that. 
but they feel freedom that they don't have in Japan. They come to Israel, they are suddenly free to ask questions, to talk to other people, to, um, to engage with other people. They don't do that in, in Japan. What do, they th what do they think about the food? And then they love the food. <laughs> they love the food. They are so excited by the food. And they take photos of everything they eat and they send me and they say, this was great. This was delicious. I love this. And then they, they buy ingredients and they bring them back to Japan to make the food and so on, which of course is very difficult. Uh, What's the most the popular ingredient that is brought back? Uh, they do try to do falafel. They try to do tahina. And uh, they love the, the nana tea, the kind of yes, jasmine, um, mint, kind of mint, the nana. Uh, they try to bring the seed to raise it in Japan, but it's very difficult. Nana does not That, that sounds grow illegal. Up. <laughs> it's illegal, that's true. The, and also it doesn't grow up it doesn't grow up in japan it's too there's uh, the humidity in japan is too high for nana and so they really love they love they love the meat they love the the spices the, everything is very nice for them and it's warm it's hot it's nice they 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 enjoy being in israel very much and that's that's a great segue to another element of uh, that I learned while there that really shocked me and impressed me, which is that entire program is on your shoulders. <laughs> you you have single handedly built the only Jewish studies program in the entire nation of Japan, one of the most important countries in our world. And explain to us, explain to the Search for DOS community nation, uh, how, what, what's that like? How often are you thinking about the, the uh, ostensibly the fragility of the program because it's all on your shoulders? And how are you thinking about making this sustainable when you eventually choose to retire? Yeah, well, there's no choosing to retire. We have to retire. This is not the United States. Uh, we get to the age of 70, we have to retire. So, um, yeah, so that is something that uh, uh, is a big worry. Um, luckily, the, the previous, previous dean uh, from 2009 or a little later, 2011, really understood me very strongly and um, we added one more permanent professor for Jewish studies um, who is a Japanese she studied in in the Hebrew University she got her PhD there and um, when she was back in Japan uh, we added her to the to the faculty so as far as I can tell there will be a continuation of Jewish studies. 
how large, how big, uh, how many courses we are going to have, I don't know. This, this is very worrisome to tell the truth because the Faculty of Theology is a very small faculty. Uh, we are only 14 professors in the faculty and most of it is uh, Christianity. And then we have one professor for Islam. We used to have two, but this year one retires and we're not going to get another one instead of him. So we're going to have only one professor, full professor of Islam studies. Uh, there will be the two of us professors of uh, Judaism at the moment, but I am going to retire in five years. So <laughs> I'm very anxious about it. And, um, and then the question will be indeed, what happens to the program? So I believe that Judaism, Islam and Christianity will remain in the faculty. And therefore, some courses of Judaism will remain in the faculty. How many will be uh, uh, courses that will be taught by uh, part-time scholars, like the, the, my students, uh, my previous students who are teaching the uh, part-time courses, which of course I cannot teach so many, so like uh, Judaism in uh, medieval times, the, 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 that person who studied the theocracy, he is responsible for that course. And every semester he has um, at least 40 students from the entire university, not, not just from our faculty. They come from philosophy, they come from uh, history, from different uh, faculties, they come to take his uh, his course, and then the the the, the um, professor, young professor of American Judaism, she's teaching a course on American Judaism, and in our faculty, so students are taking that course. Or we have a special course on uh, prayer in Judaism, and students are coming to pick that course, and they study with her. Uh, it was originally my course, but because I can't teach so many courses, I was so happy to hand it over to, to her. What's the limitation on maintaining the robustness of the program? Is it money or is it leadership? It's money. How many part-time prof uh, professors can we have in our faculty? There, there is a limitation. I'd love to understand from, from your vantage point, what does success look like for you? you, you you've, you've done so much to do what no one else has done. You've built a Jewish studies program, the only one in all of Japan, one of the most powerful nations in, in the world. What, uh, from your standpoint, how do you... How do you grade yourself? What do you consider will, will be success for you? It's it's very difficult. I I never uh, um, applause to myself and <laughs> say uh, what I would I would first of all say that it's the greatest of the university of Doshi University and the Faculty of Theology 
to take the initiation and create that kind of program or agree to create such program. When I came, I don't think they really knew what does it mean to have a, a program in Jewish studies. And that's why I felt that uh, creating those courses and building up those uh, um, directions were, were really very uh, important. It gave some kind of idea to other professors in the faculty what really Jewish studies mean. And um, I really thank them that they gave me an open hand actually to do that. And I really think Doshisha University uh, is, is, is very special in that regard. First of all, because it's a Christian university. And as a Christian university agrees to have Jewish studies and Islam studies, and through that uh, teaching the two important languages, the modern Hebrew and modern Arabic, our students at the faculty and from other faculties as well can study modern Hebrew together with modern Arabic. Some of them take this course first year and then second year they take Hebrew or opposite and they some of them continue both of them. I have a PhD student who finished uh, in 2020 and she did her PhD on the Jewish community of Baghdad in the first half of the 20th century before before Zionism really uh, came into uh, uh, into Baghdad and uh, how that influenced and before the Jewish people had to actually uh, flee from uh, Iraq to Israel and other countries. Uh, so because she studied Arabic and modern Hebrew, so she could use these two languages in order to understand that community uh, and she's still continuing to study it. She's uh, uh, postdoc at the moment. She's actually in New York University. So it's really uh, uh, unbelievable how how the students are uh, uh, using whatever they learn. Uh, and it is because we have Islam studies and we have Jewish studies. So she could study Jewish studies very deeply and she could take uh, uh, Arabic uh, to help her to understand that community. So you're you're the professor of Jewish studies, the leading the only program in all of Japan, and you tell them that you're not a practicing Jew. I imagine that sends uh, high levels of confusion into into their mind. And then they go to Israel, and then they see many different styles of engaging in Judaism, and that to me highlights just another moment where. Japan, Japanese culture is just so different from Jewish culture, Israeli culture. Can you speak to other elements of the Japanese culture that are radically different from, from ours that create very interesting learning opportunities? Well, first of all, we have to understand that uh, Japanese people don't, don't understand what religion means. There is no concept of religion in the, in the 
Jewish Christian Islam understanding of, uh, of religion. For them, uh, going to the uh, a shrine or going to the temple is, is a visit that um, maybe to help them to pass an examination or to bless them for something or bless the child for something. But it's not, it's not uh, something they go for prayer. And in Japan, Christianity is maybe 1%, less than 1% of the society are Christians. And, um, and so most of the Japanese don't really understand what Christianity means. They only understand that there is a building, church. And so when I need to explain to them what the synagogue means, then I need to say it's like a church, like a building. Uh, but it's a little different. And then I try to explain the difference between Christianity and Judaism in, inside the building, um, which I'm not sure that ever, all, always I, I manage to explain. And unless they go and have the experience, it's very difficult for them to, I think, to understand what really a synagogue means for, for Jewish people. And, um, and so, yeah, the 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 life of of a of a regular Japanese is dictated by the work mostly. So they they have the work, and therefore university period of time is a time of relaxation, of ability to see and learn new things. And for that reason, I try very much to encourage them to go abroad, to see, uh, to study. Just, just a short course of summer is enough. Uh, just to see some, how, how uh, in other places people are living. And that gives them a lot. That gives them a lot. And, um, I would like to tell you that uh, for me, most interesting thing is that the students will be able to know and understand that Jewish people are um, uh, not, first of all, they are not one unit. They are divided between themselves. They are uh, built up from very different groups of people, but that somehow when a Jew will meet a Jew, even if one is an Orthodox and one is a Reform, they will be able to talk between themselves. They will not uh, throw stones at each other, I think. I think. Uh, if you will say, I'm Jewish, and they will say, I'm Jewish, then then somehow they will be able to talk to each other. So I, I try to show them that, that there is some kind of uh, responsibility between Jewish people. And that is something that is um, striking them, I think. That's very uh, fascinating for them. And that, that they're not, that the Jewish people are not monolithic, but there is unity among them, which- Yes. Which, which is, I, during my limited time in Japan, what I've seen is that 
there's there's it's a culture that does not uh, celebrate differences it's it's a <laughs> country that very much is a values of cohesion and yes. um and going along with tradition and that that I think that's that's fascinating the the dichotomy and you through providing these courses enable um, and I think you I remember you saying the 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 saying some things exist and we better know about them how how do you get across that to to your students I would say that for me one of the important things that such student comes to one of our classes, sits in those classes, and then uh, learn a little bit about Judaism, the history of Jews, what Jews believe in, and how people in Israel are living, because Israel is always somehow taught within those introductory courses. And then they finish their university four years and they go to work in one of those companies and in the company they suddenly during lunchtime or whatever or when they go out in the evening to drink which is usually the custom of uh, uh, Japanese workers then somebody says oh these Jewish people this is terrible terrible and this this student will say oh no I studied about them. I know about them. It's not, it's not negative. It's not so bad. They're not bad. I visited Israel or whatever, if he really went to Israel. So for me, that's a great thing that they will be there and they will say, oh, look, I studied about it. It's not so bad. It's not so negative because in some, in some contexts, Israel is not seen in in a good in a good way it's a it's a war zone actually uh, for many people in japan israel is a war zone and you better not go visit there so some of my students their parents are not allowing them to go to israel um i have to convince the parents that they can send them that nothing will happen to them with the hope that nothing will happen and um and so for me, even if they just took one course and that positive idea remains with them, that is great for me. Great. I can't thank you enough for coming on Search for DOS and sharing your your personal journey here and all that you've done to ensure that, and once again, an entire nation has a pathway to learning about the Jewish people and our uh our our story so thank you <laughs> thank you so much any any final words uh, that you'd like to share uh, I, I would like very much that the japanese people will be able to be open-minded to other cultures uh and not be afraid of other cultures and um Judaism is just one of them. It's just one culture. And I am lucky that I was born to it, but uh, I, because I believe that it has a lot of beauty that can be shown to other cultures. So 
I'm very happy that I had this experience in my life in Japan. Wonderful experience. Thanks for giving us the opportunity to dive into it for for a few minutes here. I can't thank you enough for for joining us, and you're welcome back at any time to search for DAS. Thank you.